Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we will continue on with our series of year-ahead conversations, focusing in specifically on U.S. equities. Joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back David Lefkowitz, Head of Equities for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. David, as always, great to be with you. Thank you for dropping by Top of the Morning and looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, uh, good to be back. Thank you. Absolutely. So, David, as you know, equity investors, they have been faced with a challenging, volatile environment throughout the course of 2022. Here we are just about to kick off a new year. We'll get to the 2023 outlook in just a moment. Though, before we do so, David, can you provide some reflections on the price action we have seen over the past several weeks? I know we witnessed some upside momentum heading into that December Fed meeting in this past Wednesday's press conference, though over the past couple of days, we have seen some renewed pressure in equities. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I mean, so it, it's been a volatile year. Um, that that is for sure. And and I I would say that you know markets have really been I would say hostage to the Fed and to inflation. And you know you really see out we've seen these outsized market moves based on incremental either improvements or setbacks in both uh, the inflation story as well as the Fed story. And and I think this has also been just exacerbated by swings, you know, pretty pretty dramatic swings in, in sentiment and, and positioning. And when I say, you know, these moves in, in the Fed and, and inflation, you know, the markets have been very uh, have been under pressure because of elevated inflation and whenever it starts to show that it it's maybe getting better markets do a bit better uh, and then uh, you know similarly when when the fed has 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 come out and been more hawkish meaning that they're going to raise rates uh, you know more than than perhaps market expectations you also, you know, tend to see some some equity market downside, and and conversely, if there's any indications that they might be thinking about raising let's raising rates less than the market is expecting, you tend to you've you've seen some some upside in markets. So it's been a a lot of twists and turns this year. In fact, um, the volatility this year is running about 25 percent. That that's you know basically you know, twice the level of normal equity market volatility. So it's been, it's been a very challenging year and very difficult to, to navigate all of these, these upswings and, and downswings. Now, in terms of the, uh, the reaction just in the last you know few days, uh, you know, we had, we had a pretty soft um, inflation reading, which markets were seemed to be initially uh, a little bit encouraged by, that was on Tuesday, uh, although the gains really didn't didn't hold. And then, uh, and then we had the Fed meeting, as you point out, on Wednesday, and and I think the Fed struck another, you know, fairly hawkish tone. They they raised the what's called the dots, meaning uh, the dots refer to the level of uh, their forecast for 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 Fed funds rates over the coming months and years and and that was at the higher end of of market expectations uh and in fact their per you know projection in those in those so-called dots is is for the fed funds rate to be 5.1 percent through the end of next year 
that stands in contrast to where the market is. The market doesn't think the Fed uh, even market thinks the Fed gets to about 4.8 and then starts cutting interest rates by uh, some point next year in, in the second half. So, you know, interesting dichotomy between what the Fed is saying and, and what the market's saying. Um, but it was perceived to be, you know, because of that high level of the Fed funds rate and, and holding it there for some time, it was perceived to be more hawkish and, and that raises the recession risk. Now, and then on, on, on Thursday, just yesterday, you know, what we re- what we saw uh, in addition to this was a, a pretty hawkish message, message from the European Central Bank. Uh, which indicated that they're going to raise rates uh, more than what the market had been expecting. You know, there we're actually seeing uh, the fixed income markets actually um, respond, and, and we've seen uh, interest rates rise in uh, in Europe, and, and that's you know, raised some growth concerns about about Europe, and, and and we've had some knock-on effects here in the United States. So. Yeah, just a continuation of the pattern we've really seen all year, Dan, where the market, as I as I said at the outset, has really been hostage to uh, all these twists and turns on inflation, as well as as, as central bank moves, uh, and that that's really just a, a continuation of what we've been seeing all year, and we we saw it, we've seen it again this week. Well, thank you, David, for breaking down and speaking to the drivers behind the moves we've seen in equities over the past few days. And to your point, right up until the end of the year here, central bank activity in particular seems to be quite influential to investor sentiment and market activity. And I'm sure at this point, many investors, equity investors, eager to turn the page and look ahead to 2023, though sticking with central banks, because I'm sure this story will follow us well into the new year, there has been anticipation over the Fed slowing and even pausing its rate hikes. What would you say, David, are the implications of that policy trajectory to performance of U.S. equities? Yeah, so so I, I think the good news, Dan, is that, well, I don't know, if it, maybe not good news is the right way to say it, but um, uh, our perspective is that you know, we just talked about how this past year has really been all about the Fed and inflation. And with inflation now, you know, it looks pretty clear that it's peaking. It's, it's starting to come down. Um, and the market now has a pretty good indication of where the Fed is going to to land in terms of uh, how high rates will ultimately go. You know, likely around that five percent range sometime in in in, in early uh, 2023. So, so the the markets have been as as we were were talking about. The markets have really been swinging around based upon. Uh, uncertainty around how high the Fed would go, how much and you know, when inflation, this inflation fever would finally break. Uh, you know, now we have more certainty around that. You know, now we know with a, a good deal of certainty around where the Fed will stop. Um, and, and it does look like the inflation data is getting better. So I think from here now, the markets are going to be a bit more focused on how sustainable and durable is corporate profit growth and economic growth. Um, and, and that, that's going to be, I think, a, a, probably a bigger market driver as we go into 2023. And we have to bear in mind that central bank policy tends to work with a lag. So, uh, it just takes time for the economy to respond to changes in Fed policy. And, 
you know, in, in our view, we're going to be that, that means that all the Fed rate hikes that we've seen this year are, are going to still be weighing on corporate profit growth in over the next uh, several quarters. And, and as a result of that, we think that we're going to see uh, earnings for the S&P 500 uh, go down in in 2023. We, we're penciling in a 4% decline in profits for the S&P 500. And that stands in contrast to, if you look at the bottom-up consensus, the bottom-up consensus is actually looking for 5% growth. So there's a pretty wide delta between what we think is likely and and what the market is currently uh, expect well what the analysts have are expecting and and I think for that reason we're gonna we're gonna likely see uh, negative earnings revisions in other words you know companies are at some point gonna issue guidance that's probably going to be lower than those analyst estimates um, you know or they're going to come in with with results that are, are lower than than expectations and and that's just going to be a challenging backdrop for the market that it's hard to see how the market has a sustained rally in in the face of of what's likely to be a a more challenging earnings growth environment now you know as i think about the full year of 2023 it's probably not going to be as bad as this year i I mean stocks are down 18 percent price return this year it's been a pretty bad year and in fact um if the year closed today this would be uh, the seventh worst year since 1927, if you just look at calendar year. So it's pretty, it's it's pretty bad. Um, so I think it's important to bear that in mind. And, and 2023 should be a bit better. Um, we're looking for, you know, what I'd say is more of a range-bound market next year, likely with still some 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 uh, big swings. But but if on point to point. Uh, meaning, you know, now versus where we're at the end of the of next year, you know, we think markets are basically flat. Our our year-end price target on the S and P 500 for the end of next year is 4,000. Uh, yesterday we closed at at around 3,900. So, you know, basically flat. I mean, very slightly up if you want to get technical. Um, uh, so that should be that should be better than what we saw in 2022. Um, but I also think investors have to be prepared for the fact that we may not have seen the ultimate bottom in this bear market. Um, the, the, the lows that we saw in October, you know, really don't look like a, a normal, uh, bear market low, um, in, in the sense that we, you know, usually there's a set of conditions that we see at a bear market low, usually, uh, two-year treasury yields are going down. Usually the equity risk premium, which is just the, the sort of spread between stocks and bonds, usually that equity risk premium is is expanding. Um, usually there's line of sight to a reacceleration in economic activity. We, we haven't really seen – we didn't see those, those metrics uh, that we normally see at a bear market bottom. So I think we have to be prepared that we may not have seen the lows, but – uh, still think if you look over the full year 2023, you know, stocks stocks could be just flat uh, because as we look as we think about 2024 and beyond, 
you know, that's when we probably do see a reacceleration in activity. And at some point, uh, the markets will start to anticipate that. Okay, so some choppy waters ahead, perhaps in the first quarter, first half, but perhaps the story in the second half looking a bit brighter, though. There has been, David, growing concern over the prospects for an economic downturn. And you've alluded to this a bit already sometime in 2023. I'm curious, historically speaking, which sectors in particular tend to perform or fare better in a recessionary environment? I would say, so let's take the easy, the easy answer first is, you know, a clear focus on defensive sectors. And, and when I say defensive sectors, um, you know, that those are, these are companies that are, are just not as sensitive to overall economic growth. Um, so uh, these are companies in the consumer staples area, you know, the companies that sell diapers, that sell toothpaste, that sell soda and packaged food, you know, the the demand for those types of products don't tend to swing around very much. Similarly, with um, with pharmaceuticals, um, as well as utilities, I mean, the, you know, these are what we call the defensive parts of the market. They They will tend to hold up better in choppy waters, and that's actually exactly what we've seen this year. Um, the the other uh, you know thinking about some of the more cyclical and more economically sensitive parts of the market um you know typically growth stocks do do hold up better uh, as we head into recession because investors usually have more conviction that 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 earnings growth for those companies are going to be more resilient because by definition they they have some nice secular growth drivers the playbook this year has been a little bit different. Um, you know, we've seen growth stocks have really taken it on the chin this year. They have significantly underperformed value. And I think that speaks to the, just the uh, somewhat unusual nature of this economic cycle and the recovery from COVID. We saw a surge in uh, corporate profits for growth companies. You can think tech, tech companies if you want to, uh, as the, as the, as the economy was just beginning its recovery from those lockdowns in in early 2020, uh, you know, a lot of spending was focused on digitizing businesses, going to e, you know, using e-commerce, uh, uh, doing uh, consumers staying at home and, and, and subscribing to video streaming services, things like that. And as activity has normalized away from those pandemic related activities, We've seen, um, you know, some pressure on on growth company earnings. So I would say in this cycle, the excesses have been more in the growth area of the market, and uh, and, and so I think you still want to be somewhat cautious on growth companies if we do head into this recessionary environment. Um, and certainly an earnings recession that seems pretty likely. You know, hard to say whether or not it'll be an outright economic recession. Um, but those are those are where the excesses still are. And again, that's not necessarily the typical playbook. But um, in this cycle, the excesses have been in the growth area, which is a little bit unusual. Usually, they're they're more prevalent in the in the value and more uh, you know value cyclical areas. But again, that's 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 different from what we're seeing. So if I had to sum it up, focus on defensives and and I think still 
you know, be a little bit uh, careful with some of the, the growth areas. Thank you, David. I do want to point out to our listeners, our clients, that your team just released the U.S. Equities 2023 Outlook Note. Title is From Inflation to Growth, which, by the way, now available up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Just running with positioning a bit further, David, can you cite your thinking within the note as we begin to close out today? Yeah. So, you know, not surprising, Dan, you know, given uh, all the things we talked about, I mean, we're, we're still uh, looking to protect portfolios. And, and from that perspective, um, we do have, from a sector perspective, we have most preferred views on consumer staples and healthcare. And we think that that's, these still are places to, to be in, in an environment where we're going to have slowing corporate profit growth and, and, and most likely some sort of contraction in, in corporate profits over at, at some point in, uh, in the coming quarters. Um, we also like the energy sector. I mean, here, so that's not a traditional defensive area, but um, we think there's a number of things, a number of factors that really uh, are going to be very supportive for the energy sector. You know, most importantly, we, we just uh, have, uh, we, we just don't have many, uh, uh, we have limited supply of oil and, and gas. And, and that's because the industry is now in the eighth year of limited investment spending for new fossil fuel production. And it, it you know, frankly, it's just kind of caught up with the global economy. Um, so it's very, it's a very tight oil market. There's no easy solution to this. It's just going to take time. Uh, either for a new production to ramp up over time or for things like the adoption of electric vehicles and things like that to begin to reduce demand. But th- th- those are slower moving dynamics. This, you know, that's going to take years uh, for these things to play out. So, you know, we think that um, oil prices are going to be in a relatively high range. Um, and we think we're probably at the lower end of that range at the moment, especially if we think about the fact that uh, the China will likely be in a in a very different situation, um, you know, six to twelve months from now. The economy should be much more fully reopened, so better demand from China, uh, and and these companies are generating huge amounts of cash, ten uh, percent free cash flow yield. They're returning the bulk of that to shareholders, so you you get some really attractive. Uh, both dividend yields and buyback yields in combination, and and so we like we like that setup. Uh, we talked about uh, growth and value a, a little bit, but just a, you know one a couple other points on this. Um, when, when inflation uh, is higher than three percent, value tends to outperform. Uh, so that even though inflation is coming down, it, it's it's still not going to be around. It's not going to be as low as three percent anytime soon. And, and valuations for growth companies are still quite expensive. Uh, they have they have moderated, but they're still trading at a pretty uh, at, at, a, at a higher than average premium relative to, to value companies. So we think there's still some valuation compression that we could see within the growth complex. And again, I talked about some of those excesses that uh, many growth companies are are dealing with. I would also just highlight uh, in terms of size. And, you know, thinking about small, mid, and large, right now we're neutral across small, mid, and large. But at some point, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, pretty interesting to get overweight and, and fairly aggressive on small and mid caps. They're, you know, unlike large caps, small cap companies are trading 
below their long-term valuation levels. In fact, small caps are near the lows they got to in the financial crisis. So we see some pretty low valuations in that area. What we're waiting for is um, is the yield curve to start to steepen. That, that has been historically a very good signal for when, uh, when it makes sense to go overweight uh, small caps and mid caps. And it's, it's, very, it's likely we're going to get to that point sometime in the coming months um, as if the two-year Treasury yield, which has been coming down, does start to come down more and more than, than the 10-year Treasury yield. That, that's you know, precisely what we're looking for. So that's very much on our radar screen. And then thematically, there's a few areas that we like. We would stay focused on high-quality companies. You know, these are companies you can sleep well at night. Uh, blue chip companies that, that everybody probably knows. Um, we also still like areas that uh, that are leveraged to security. You know, given given the the war that's going on in Europe, we think defense spending is going to be well supported for a number of years. The valuations in that area have moved up, but they they really don't look very uh, very elevated at all. I uh, think that's going to be a, a nice source of earnings growth going forward. There are also other companies that are leveraged to other government policies. Uh, we call this theme resilient spending, where there are, are companies that are uh, leveraged to infrastructure spending, to uh, green energy initiatives, energy efficiency initiatives, you know, all these supported by government policy. We think those are going to be other sources of good earnings growth. And, and also, I would still stick with companies that have good pricing power um, in an environment that, that, that it's going to be probably more challenging for companies to raise prices. I, I think you want to be focused on companies that do have the ability to do that um, and protect and protect profit margins. So, you know, in general, I would say, you know, if I had to summarize it, Dan, you know, a more defensive posture and, and trying to avoid areas that where companies were maybe over earning for a period of time uh, as those excesses get, uh, get wrung out. Um, but at some point, uh, as I alluded to with, with small caps and, and mid caps, at some point it, it probably will make sense to get uh, a little bit more aggressive, taking a little bit more risk within the equity market. Uh, but we don't think we're quite there yet. Well, David, very productive session to cap off what has been a challenging, volatile 2022 for equity investors. So do appreciate your guidance, especially on positioning as we're heading into a new year. Thank you for all of the insight today, though, as well throughout the course of the year. It's been very appreciated for our listeners and our clients. So thank you again, David, for joining us here on top of the morning today and looking forward to picking back up with our conversation conversation in 2023. Thanks for having me, Dan. Have a great new year and looking forward to more of this in 23 as well. Likewise. Thank you, David. And again, today we have been joined by David Lefkowitz, Head of Equities for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Again, I do want to point our listeners and our clients to the CIO U.S. Equities 2023 Outlook publication, which David has been making reference to during our conversation today. Again, that title is Inflation to Growth, which can be found up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Of course, for clients of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS Financial Advisor if you would like to receive a direct copy of the U.S. Equities 2023 Outlook publication. From UBS Studios, I'm Ben Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. 
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.